Afghanistan. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that tonight. Hang on. That's an American C-17 taking off from the Kabul airport. Yes, those were people clinging to the side of it. Those people are trapped inside the airport as the Taliban encircle the airport. They believe they're about to be killed. Some of them stayed clinging to the C-17. Don't ever do that. They found out the hard way and plunged to their deaths just a short time later. We're not going to show you that video tonight. Just know it's a really, really, really ugly, tragic, sad scene right now in Afghanistan, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first and foremost, do you remember what I've been telling you about the military and America and our decline and all that? Do you remember what I've been saying to you about that? Been saying it for a while and got a lot of pushback, especially privately from friends. I'm not sure if that's happening. Allow me to recap for those who missed it. We, on a macro level, America, you and I are very, very blessed. Unbelievably blessed to be here. We are. And not just for the the, the normal reasons people say. I want you to take a step back and think about this. You, an American, assuming assuming, assuming I'm talking to an American audience, you, an American, you live in a country surrounded by natural resources, Our poorest of the poor are 20, 25 feet away at all times from endless reservoirs of clean drinking water. You have two gigantic oceans who border your nation and the world's greatest navy patrolling those oceans. What I'm saying to you is you and I, we don't know about the ugly, ugly side of life. Now, I'm not saying you don't have problems. Undoubtedly, you do. We all do. But the real way people live, you and I don't know about it. We have just been blessed to live in this place. And because of that, as all great empires and nations go through, we got really, really, really rich. Once we got really, really, really rich, we got fat and bored and lazy. And once we got separated enough from our founding, and we weren't focused enough on making sure we were teaching the next generation about our founding, we started to rot and decline. Again, this is not unique to America. You could tell this story about the Achaemenid Persian Empire, the Mongols, the Romans. Pick your society. It's the same. They've all gone through the same thing. Really, from poor, wealthy, fat, rich, bored, the decline begins. The decline starts internally. And what have I been telling you on top of all those things about our military? You see, you didn't see it. But what have I been saying? The rot inside of our military has been going on for years. It is a slow, steady rot as we focus on being more inclusive. And we need more women. And we are, are, are do the gay people feel welcome enough? Uh, have we done any transgender surgeries? As we completely lose focus on killing bad guys... You have a slow, steady rot. 
and the military brass we have in there now, they're all people who've been filtered through America's communist college education system, and these guys are just as big a nutball losers as the average college professor. That's the reality of it. I had a source tell me, and this is a source who would know, you know all those great admirals from World War II? He said not one of those guys would make it past lieutenant in today's Navy. We don't promote war fighters. Uh, do, do we have enough women up, up, up for, for Admiral? That's what we do now. That's what we do now. Now, all that stuff is just talking points, right? Right now, it's just you and I talking. I could be dead wrong. Surely it's not really that bad. We're America. But you remember what else I said? You won't ever know what I've been telling you about the military is true until it's too late. This happens again to all nations. We're not unique here. Eventually, you get embarrassed on a national stage and then you find out the same time the rest of the world finds out, uh-oh, maybe, maybe we're not what we were. What, what happened? We're America. We're the United States of America. What happened? And this, that's not your fault. The average person can't see. You don't see the, the painted rust that is our system unless you already know. I've been telling you this for a long time. Look, there's going to be a lot made, and I'm going to say a lot about Joe Biden and the Biden administration and the failures of, of how we handled Afghanistan. And that goes back to George Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, all of them, to be honest with you. And I'll be honest about all that. But you must understand something. There are a lot of very, very powerful generals through the last 20 years who own a lot of this, too. A lot of this. Generals who sat in front of presidents and said things like, we're winning, it's working. No, we can't leave yet. Just another couple years. Just give me more of this, more bombs, more bullets, more troops, and I'll take care of everything. A lot of these generals pouring honey in the ears of presidents. Supposedly, we were training 300,000 people in Afghanistan to stand up to the Taliban, and they went down like the Italian Navy in about 15 minutes. What happened? You want to know what happened? I mean, we have the Taliban sitting in the presidential palace. This show's officially over. They, are, they control the country outside of the Northern Alliance. How does that happen? You want to know how that happens for real? You want to know? Don't take it from me. Take it from General Mark Milley. This is how it happens. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America. What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. White rage. That's, that's important. We have most powerful general in America, He's testifying before Congress about white rage. Uh, Jesse, what does that have to do with anything? What have I told you before? You and I have had this talk before. You can probably repeat it back to me. We've had this talk before. If we get a date, you and I, and one year from today, you and I are going to meet somewhere. We're going to meet in a big open field, and we're going to fight to the death. And you spend the next year spending 10, 11, 12 hours a day, every waking moment, training to murder me. 
and I spend five hours a day training to murder you, and the other five hours worrying about my pronouns. Are we being inclusive? Do white people hate themselves enough? Do I when we meet, I'm going to die. Time is finite. And for years and years and years, this actually really began under Clinton, for years our military has focused on everything under the sun except what matters. We have a gigantic climate change division in the military. They're worried about putting out tanks that don't emit greenhouse gases. How do you lose to a rabble in Afghanistan? That's how you lose. And that's how you lose a nation. Look, we're not losing America right now because Afghanistan's lost. And we'll get to that tragedy here in just a second. We're not losing America. You're seeing the first instance of what I've been warning you about. We're going to get embarrassed on a national stage. We left these people there. Okay, fine. It's Afghanistan. I'm not going to pretend like you care about it or I care about it. I don't want innocent people to suffer, but I get that. It's Afghanistan. But more importantly, what we left... We packed up our stuff and pulled out the U.S. military. We left them javelin missiles. We left them drones, anti-mine vehicles. We left them helos. They're flying our Blackhawks, the Taliban, the people we've been, you know, fighting against for the last 20 years. They're all carrying M4s, our M4s. They have our comms, secure comms now. They have NVGs now, courtesy of the good old US of A. How does that happen? How could a military possibly be so inept that they leave all billions and billions of dollars of equipment behind for the Taliban to use? How could that happen? You have generals worried about white rage instead of winning wars. You have generals worried, are the women comfortable enough on the Navy ships instead of winning wars? You see, everyone thought I was just being mean when I said that stuff. He's just being harsh. It's too direct. I'm the nice guy. I'm the one who's trying to save people. And I will reiterate this before we go into this here. You know that cushy life you and I have had as Americans? Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, great Navy patrolling it. You've never experienced in your life, and neither have I, what it's like to have an enemy army on your shores, in your neighborhoods, in your streets. You've never experienced it because at no point in time in your life, unless you lived back in 1812, at no point in time in your life has an enemy, a foreign enemy, had the ability to sweep our Navy off the sea. Oh, but they will. You don't think so. You think I'm just being outlandish right now. That can't ever happen here. Every single other powerful nation in the history of mankind said those exact same words until the barbarians were knocking on the gates of Rome. That's a fact. It's a big deal. Now, as far as what's happening in Afghanistan, well, disaster. It's the Biden administration. This is what happens when you have a country not led by that doddering old fool with a half-functional brain. When you have a country controlled by a bunch of America-hating academics like Joe Biden does around him with no experience whatsoever in the real world. That's how you come up with a solution like, hey, let's just bring everyone home like tomorrow. Well, this is what happens. You didn't plan for it. You didn't destroy your gear or bring the gear back. You didn't bring all the people out you should have brought out with you. You packed up your stuff and left because you don't have real-world experience to speak of. You don't know what you're doing. So we doomed thousands of people. 
Now, no, I don't expect you to care about Afghanistan as a whole, but there are a lot of people, translators and others, Afghanis who've been working with us for years, who are now sitting in dungeons having their fingernails pulled out as you listen to the sound of my voice because we didn't even bother with them on the way out. This whole thing is not only amateurish and embarrassing, this whole thing is amateurish and embarrassing in front of the whole world. It's one thing if you walk outside and slip on the ice and fall on your rear end and you're by yourself. It's quite another if you're at a party with 500 people watching. We just embarrassed ourselves with the entire world watching. They think we're weak. They think we're amateurish. Our allies aren't quite sure if we're going to be there for them. And how could they be sure of that? We've got our allies in Afghanistan dropping like flies. This is a disaster. And look, the Biden administration has been a disaster. Remember back on, what was it, uh, January or July 8th when Joe Biden said, you remember when he said this? You remember this? Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comparable. There's no situation where you're going to see people lifted out of our embassies, right? It's not possible. Oh. Oh, wow. Whoops. And by the way, let's set aside this foolish notion some people have on both sides that the Taliban are just a bunch of ignorant, dirt-eating rubes. Oh, don't get me wrong, they're disgusting. They treat women and, and children like cattle, and their vision for society is horrific. The Taliban are outstanding fighters. And one thing Joe Biden said there is right. They're not comparable to the North Vietnamese Army. He's right they're not, because the North Vietnamese Army was supplied by China and the Soviet Union the Taliban are supplied by the United States of America. That's a fact. I mean, how much more embarrassing could it get for this administration? Here's your Secretary of State saying something interesting. President Biden is intent on avoiding a Saigon moment. Uh, that's a reference, of course, to the hasty and humiliating U.S. evacuation from Vietnam. But with this troop surge to airlift Americans out of Afghanistan, aren't we already in the midst of a Saigon moment? No, we're not. Remember. Uh, this is not Saigon. We went to Afghanistan 20 years ago with one mission. Mm-hmm. Yep, sure did. What mission was it? Oh, nobody can tell you. Uh, get Osama bin Laden. Yes, that was a good mission. Fine. Okay, what have we been doing for the last 20 years? Supposedly training all these Afghan troops to stand up against the Taliban, and they just handed over your weapons. Oh, those weapons I've been complaining about? You know they're driving them to Iran? China's going to get their hands on them? All that military technology gone. Handed over to the enemy. How's Joe Biden been handling this? Well, I know he gave a statement today, but he's been gone on vacation for days. Jen Psaki went on vacation. Not making this up. Total disaster on the world stage for the administration. They all went on vacation. Oh, but Joe Biden put up some picture of him sitting by himself like a dunce at some large table doing some teleconference, outing CIA analysts as he does it. Gosh, jeez. And look, 
it's not as if you can ever get accurate information anymore. Here's the reality. The Taliban were always going to take over Afghanistan because they're the most violent, strongest fighting force in Afghanistan. It was only a matter of dates. So you can feel bad, but understand, the country falling to the Taliban was inevitable. We didn't have to arm them while we did it, and we didn't have to haphazardly leave so many of our own people behind while we did it. The truth is, you and I, as Americans, We've been so, so blessed to live the life we have lived. We forget about the ugly side of the world. What you're seeing in Afghanistan right now is not the exception. That's the norm. That's the ugly side of life. If you'd like that to never hit your shores, we have a lot of rot to clean up. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have Lieutenant Colonel James Carafano coming on next talking about Afghanistan. We have a great show for you tonight, but first and foremost... Northwest retention systems, they make the best stuff. And I, I know I'm supposed to tell you about their incredible designs, and they do have incredible designs. My concealed carry holster, it has those, you know, join or die flags on them. They have come and take it ones. They have 1776. They have Donald Trump ones. They have a great scout chest holster. All, all the designs are great. They are. It's the quality that matters. Custom made. Custom made right here in America. Oh, but I, by the way, did I mention by Americans? NWRetention.com. NWRetention.com. I've told you before about being more purposeful with where you spend and don't spend your money. Buy the best quality, American quality. NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10% off, plus free shipping, everything over 100 bucks. We'll be back. How do you explain getting this so wrong? Well, first, Savannah, to be fair, the helicopter has been the mode of transport from our embassy to the airport for the last 20 years. But you know the larger that is, point. That is, it's not the that helicopter. Is how we move it's not the mechanism. Forth, so. No, no, it's to the last-minute scramble. You know that. It's the last-minute scramble when the assurances from the president himself were this was not what we were going to see. It is certainly the case that the speed with which cities fell uh, was much greater than anyone anticipated, including uh, the Afghans. That was National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan going on TV because his boss won't and just taking it on the chin out there. Joining me now to talk about that, Lieutenant Colonel James Carafano, Vice President for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Colonel, um, I guess I'll just give you the floor here. I've given my own opinion. How could an administration, generals, politicians, whoever you want to blame, how could everybody get embarrassed this badly on the world stage? You know, I actually think that's easy to explain, and I really feel like I, I know enough of the inside story from talking to various parties that I, I don't think this explanation is far off. This is not a military planning failure, and it's not an intelligence failure. Uh, even if you read what the president said, clearly this was a very possible scenario that they might face. So there's no question about that. I think the Biden team made an, uh, an assessment that they were handing a gift to the Taliban, and they just thought the Taliban would just let us get out of the way before everything collapsed, and then we could just say it wasn't our fault. So I, 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 that was an incredibly unrealistic expectation because 
Why would the Taliban do that? The, in this part of the world, honor is power. They had an opportunity to humiliate Biden and the United States. They wouldn't pass that up. So it was a stupid premise or assumption to begin with. And then what's worse is they, they really didn't have a plan B on how to deal with that. Now, this is actually not unusual for this team. Remember, this is the same team as the Obama team. And when a crisis erupts, uh, you know, their, their notion is to pull away and hope bad things don't happen. When everything goes south, you know, deny, pretend it's not a crisis, blame people, out, say it's not your fault, and hope you have a friendly press that buys you enough time to, to get your act together. And it seems the Biden team's doing exactly the same as we saw Obama do in Syria, in Iraq, and Libya. Okay, Colonel, help me understand this, though. Because what you just described to me sounds like what I said. It sounds like we have a government run now by a bunch of radical academics with zero real world experience, and therefore they don't know how life works. But Joe Biden's been in the Senate, in the Senate for 97 years. Joe Biden knows how the world works, even if I disagree with him, right? Well, I, I, I disagree with you a little. These are many of the same officials that were in the Obama administration. A lot of these guys have literally eight years of government experience, and they lived through Benghazi. They lived through the explosion of ISIS after Obama ran away from Iraq. They lived through the failure of the red line in Syria. So this is actually an experienced team, which these are not rookie mistakes made by a new administration that they're just getting started. Yeah, and these, this, this is complete failure. And these guys have outfailed Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter came into office with zero experience and a very inexperienced team, and he did not fail this fast. I, I just, I, I hate to belabor the point. I want to question one last thing. You're saying, from people you've talked to, their plan was to leave. And they thought the Taliban were going to be nice enough to let us pull our people out before they took everything over. The people genuinely thought that, that, that are making decisions on behalf of the United States of America? I have talked to people who know exactly what the Trump people briefed the Biden people the way out the door. They said, look, 2,500 minimum deterrence. This holds us in place. You know, you can do this and negotiate with the Taliban forever. And if you decide to pull these people out, you know, this could happen. We were warned about this. We, we've seen reports of the military have briefed them, the intel community briefed them, everybody briefed them that this was a real possibility. Even the administration admits it was a possibility. And yet they did it. And they just assumed that the Taliban would sit there and let them walk out the door before they did anything. And, and you have to believe, because no, there was no plan. There was no plan to evacuate people that work with the US. There wasn't any plan to evacuate our embassy. They were, they were literally casually you know, boxing up and taping and sending postcards home when, when the enemy started to roll. And, this is, and it wasn't Trump's plan. Even under Trump's plan, the plan was that each region, the military would go in place, they would be consolidated, and then there would be a, a agreement with the Taliban in that region, and they would walk on from region to region to region. All Biden did was come in and say, forget the Trump plan, we're way smarter than him, we're just gonna leave, and we think the Taliban will let us do that. 
Colonel, I, I'm going to ask a really stupid question, but as you know, I'm stupid, so I'm going to ask it anyway. How is it humanly possible for any grown adult to say, all right, leave, but not have a plan to leave? I have a 10-year-old son, and he would know I would need some sort of plan to leave. What? What? Well, look, these guys are incredibly consistent. It's the same people that were in the Obama administration. Remember in Iraq, they had achieved peace in Iraq, and they just said, we're walking away and leaving and hoping everything fine. And ISIS explodes. <laughs> they did this in Syria. We're, we'll put down a red line, and obviously the, 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 the Syrians will respect that. They did it in Libya, where after throwing out the government, they just assumed peace was going to break out, and they had no security for the embassy people that got <laughs> slaughtered. So this is their thing because they're so smart and they know so well and they don't listen to anybody. They know exact they know exactly what everybody's going to do and they and they don't give the enemy a vote. And the problem is the enemy gets a vote. And this is the most important thing that they consistently misunderstand this part of the world. In this part of the world honor is power. You're an honorable person, not if you nice to the other guy or respect him or cut him a break if you have power to inflict on your enemies. And so when you turn a cheek to ISIS or Al-Qaeda or the Taliban, they're going to strike you because they want to humiliate you because they will gain power letting everybody around them know they could humiliate the United States of America. Oh. All right, Colonel. $2.261 trillion. That's on top of 2,400-plus Americans dead, 3,800-plus contractors dead, 66,000 Afghanistan military members killed, and 47,245 civilians killed. I know it's kind of a broad question, right. but I think the United States of America deserves some sort of an explanation for falling this fast when we've lost this much blood and money and supposedly spent 20 years training the Afghans who were there. Were we not training? Were we just playing Xbox? What were we doing? Yeah, I mean, again, this is actually pretty easy. This wasn't a military defeat. In most places, people just handed stuff over to the Taliban. The, the Taliban didn't conquer Afghanistan. This was a political defeat. And it was a political defeat because the powers in Afghanistan saw the Americans leaving, and they, and they believe that without the Americans leading, there's no way they can continue to hold on. And so they, for their tribes, for their families, they just cut deals with the Taliban. Now, look, nation building was a stupid idea from the start. We were building Afghanistan. But what we were doing is we had created a stability there because with us there, the Taliban were afraid to come after the Afghans. That meant the country wasn't a Disneyland for terrorists. Uh, it wasn't destabilizing to the region. And what was the cost, the present cost to Americans? 2,500 troops were stationed there. They weren't fighting. They weren't dying. We were spending less in Afghanistan in a week than we used to spend in a year. So for a very modest commitment, we had achieved something really stable. And we threw that away because Biden wanted to. And here's, here's how I'll explain this in a way people would get. You, you buy a house. It's a 30-year mortgage. You pay on that mortgage for 28 years and then you just decide to stop paying your mortgage. What does the bank do? Takes your house away, dude, because you didn't pay your bills. We, we held the Taliban off for 20 years, and then what did we do? We turned the country over to the Taliban. Do you realize that today, the Taliban control more territory today than they did on 9-11? If that's not a humiliation for the United States, I, I don't know what is. And 
you know, it's, and it's kind of unfair to talk about it's humiliating for us. Sure, it's humiliating for us. We'll recover. We're a great country. But the people of Afghanistan, you have a whole generation of people who have grown up believing that women can work, kids can go to school, and people can't be beheaded on a whim. All that's vanished for them overnight. Good grief. Colonel, thank you so much for some truth tonight. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, brother. I need a dip, but I'm not going to have a dip. Why? Because I have Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew allows me to have that dip I still crave all the times I dipped forever. 11 different flavors, a long cut, four different flavors of the CBD pouches. It's working for smokers. It's working for dippers because it's tobacco-free and it's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free, but it allows you to get your fix. It allows you to... Keep that routine. Long, hard day, stressed out about the news, just ate a big meal, whatever the case may be, reach for some Jake's Mint Chew or consider getting it for friends or family members. Instead of nagging at them, you need to quit. Get them some Jake's Mint Chew. Help them out. Jake'sMintChew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 10% off. We'll be back. Unsustainable. Uh, these numbers cannot continue. We cannot um, get to a point where we were a couple weeks ago, and we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. We're looking at the policy options. That's not good, considering that's the head of DHS. Joining me now to talk about that and other things is Ken Cuccinelli. He is the national chairman for the Election Transparency Initiative. Ken, uh, July alone, 212-plus thousand were encountered, which is 13% over June. This is not getting better. It's somehow getting even worse. Why? Well, because they want it to. Look, the, you and I look at the border and we see a mistake. We see a bad policy. They see a voter registration line. And uh, so, the, and I say that to point out, this is intentional. The specific numbers aren't so intentional. But the open borders policy is absolutely intentional. It's also why you hear them uh, sort of being uh, nanny state-ish all over America over COVID, but not at the border. I mean, if you really wanted to stem new cases, you wouldn't invite in people coming up through what amounts to a Petri dish pipeline for a communicable disease. And that's exactly what they're doing with the open borders policy. And many of the southern communities along those four border states are suffering mightily from that. Ken, now, I, I, look, I don't, I don't think these people have any love of country. I've said it a million times. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite. So I'm going to set that aside for a moment. Politically, though, isn't this a huge loser for them? So in the short term, it is a huge political loser. Um, but again... They view this as a strategic decision uh, on two fronts. First, <clears throat> they're kissing up to their radical left, the base that they answer to. And second, they view the long-term benefit in terms of votes they think they're going to get as being worth the short-term pain, including, by the way, they're putting in danger long-term Democrat seats in South Texas. Uh, congressional seats in next year's election, they could be, they'll be very much in play in ways they never have been before because of these policies 
and their unwillingness to be rational about it. So yes is the answer. It is politically devastating, but that's in the short term. And they think getting what they think will be millions new illegal voters um, into the system is worth it. Ken, how do they get voters out of these people? I mean, explain the process to me. Sure. I mean, they're obviously not voting tomorrow, right? Or are they? How are they getting voters out of these people? Excellent question. So if you look at H.R. 1 and S. 1, they're top priority bills. That's why they were numbered one. And they are still alive in the U.S. Senate. Uh, one of the last things Chuck Schumer did before the Senate went on vacation is successfully move S. 1 out onto the floor of the Senate that bill mandates that states dump all adults in their state databases onto their voter registration rolls. It's called automatic voter registration. The problem with that is that includes illegal aliens and non-US citizens who are here legally uh, who interact with the state. And every state government and local governments interact with the people who live within their boundaries. So this is literally going to put millions of illegal aliens and non-citizens on the voter rolls. And at the same time, they remove all criminal penalties, I kid you not, for any of these people who vote in a federal election. You say, wait a minute, how, how can they do that? And their, their explanation is, well, if they were put on the rolls automatically and they didn't have a they didn't have a say in it, and then they voted. We shouldn't punish them for that. We should only punish them when they register to vote themselves, which is ludicrous. What it really is is a path to allow non-citizens to vote with no consequences. Ken, okay, that's a bit frightening. How close is this to passing? Please tell me this is not going to pass. So uh, they're going to their goal is to amend this bill to make it comfortable for Joe Manchin. And then they will not get 10 Republicans in the U.S. Senate to support this. Then it becomes a question of whether they will break the filibuster to pass the bill. And the same radical leftists who are pushing the open borders policy on immigration are the same people pushing very, very hard on the Democrat caucus in the Senate to break the filibuster. And understand, you know, you look at some longtime senators like Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer isn't as concerned about the Senate or America as he is about the possibility that AOC may run against him in a primary. So that's who he's answering to. Okay. Ken, how much power do these radical Democrats have now? I, I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes. People think Nancy Pelosi's the enemy, and I realize she's the Antichrist. I've told people, you'll be begging for Nancy Pelosi back in about <laughs> 10 years because Nancy Pelosi's 2,000 years old and the younger generation in their 30s and 40s, they're all full-blown communists. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not far off. I mean, the comparison I use is I look back to Reagan and Tip O'Neill. You know, they didn't agree on a ton of things. They got along. They were civil with one another. But there was never any question that Tip O'Neill thought that the Constitution was the greatest foundation for a government in history and that America was an exceptional nation. I don't know that that's a majority position in the House Democratic Caucus today. Uh, to your point, the newer, younger so-called Democrats are truly radical leftists. I mean, Marxists, radical socialists, 
willing to allow the use of violence to advance their political aims. Uh, it's it's radical stuff. Ken, I, I do have to ask about your election transparency initiative. Uh, I, I would venture to guess 70 to 80 percent of the people watching right now are concerned, understandably, about the legitimacy of American elections because of the last ones we've seen. Ken, please tell me what's going on and tell me we're doing some good out there. We are doing some good out there. As you know, you and I just talked a little bit about where we're playing defense, and that's in the federal system, just trying to stop the Democrats from this radical takeover of all state elections. At the same time we're doing that, we're supporting legislators in places like Arizona, Texas, Iowa, Florida, Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, to advance election reforms in their states. And we're having a lot of success with that. In many of the states I just named, they have made election reforms to help clean up a lot of what we saw as being pretty messy, to put it gently, in 2020. Now, in some of those states, like Wisconsin and Michigan, and Pennsylvania, good reforms have been passed, and Democrat governors, by the way, all of whose terms end next year, have vetoed those bills. And so in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, you're going to see these as front and center issues in the governor's races in 2022. Are the people with us on these, Ken? I mean, I would think so, but then again, I'm as far right as you can get. I'm far right of the American public, so I, I don't pretend to know what the average person in the middle thinks. Are they all about these kind of bills, or are they kind of the wishy-washy on The answer is yes, and the, the way I prefer to explain it, look, we talk in very partisan terms all the time, but let's step back from that moment. If you take the R's and the D's out of the discussion and just ask ordinary Americans how they think an election should best be run, they support voter ID. They support security and transparency. They support letting poll watchers have access to the whole process from start to finish. They support only citizens voting. These are overwhelmingly viewed as common sense elements of an election. And we're actually winning on the merits of these things. When Americans find out what are in these rather radical bills at the federal level, for instance, the more they know, the less they like the bill. And uh, S1 is about 800 pages long. There's plenty to talk to them about. And it's terrible. I gave you the registering illegal aliens to vote and, and decriminalizing it. They also threaten state officials with a new crime if they question whether someone apparently might not be appropriately registered to vote. So. Any efforts to clean up that process, they include as well taxpayer funding for campaigns. The list is unbelievable. It goes on and on and on. You and I could talk for hours about it, but that suffice it to say we need to beat it, kill it in the cradle. Amen. Ken Cuccinelli, thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you. Good to be with you. Scary stuff. All right. Now, we're going to get to some mask mandate madness here. Mask mandate madness. That was really good. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first and foremost, if you own a home, you need to pay attention. Your home title, it's not a piece of paper that's in a bank vault somewhere. I used to think that. I thought that up to about, oh, six months ago. And then I opened up my email address, and there's my home title with my signature and my wife's signature forged on it. Home title theft is a major deal. You might already be a victim of it, and you would have no idea. But 
you can find out and actually find out for free. You can go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. They have a free offer. You can go ahead and put in your address. It'll tell you if you're already a victim of home title theft. It'll give you a whole history on the title of your home. HomeTitleLock.com. While you're there, sign up. They will detect any tampering to your home title and shut it down like that. This crime is sweeping the country. Look it up if you don't believe me. Protect yourself. All right. COVID stuff. Next. Well, obviously today was a day dominated by the news on foreign shores, right? Today's a day about Afghanistan and the horrible failures of the Biden administration and failures of the generals. Again, don't let them go. And all past presidents, it's a failure of all that. So clearly that's going to be a focus on today. But let's not forget, right here at home, freedoms are still under assault routinely, The fact that Dr. Fauci feels comfortable going on television and speaking like this simply blows me away. We've got to do mitigation, put aside all of these issues of concern about liberties and personal liberties and realize we have a common enemy and that common enemy is the virus. And we really have to all pull together to get on top of this. Otherwise, we're going to continue to suffer. Oh, we're going to continue to suffer. As long as we let government bureaucrats and all these losers on TV tell us to set aside your liberty, we have a common enemy, we'll keep suffering. We'll stop suffering as soon as the American people rise up and tell these tyrants to go pound sand. You want to get the vaccine? Go get the vaccine. You want to wear 57 masks? Go wear 57 masks. Drown yourself in hand sanitizer. I don't care. Stop telling other people how to live. Stop telling other people what they must believe and must say and must do because this is the United States of America. Start ignoring these people. You make your own calls. Investigate things on your own. Come to your own conclusion. Drop this hive mind nonsense out there. I'm just, I can't believe these people speak to us that way. All right, I just had to say a quick something about COVID before we moved on. But first, you know, we have a newsletter, right? The first, they put out this great newsletter every day. You don't have to do that thing. I know you do. Wake up in the morning and roll over and get your phone and scroll through all the websites and see what news you missed. No, 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 no. We spoon feed it all for you in the first newsletter. We're talking video, articles, all the headlines, everything you want in your inbox right when you wake up in the morning. How great is that? Go sign up at thefirsttv.com today and we'll lighten the mood next. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. Now, I'm one of these people who knows revenge is bad. I mean, we know that, right? We're a country, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. We know these things. I know revenge is bad. But I still like it. Is that bad? I mean, I know, I know it's bad, but whenever I see somebody get some really salty revenge on someone, I kind of enjoy it. Apparently this lady... <laughs> Her neighbors were annoying her. She got revenge by, well, you'll see. So we're on holiday in Wales in this lovely static caravan that we're staying in. It's really nice. On this lovely peaceful resort. Well, it was peaceful until last night, our final night, when these idiots show up. 12 o'clock last night, music blaring. Fair enough, they were blasting out the Beatles, but that's not the point. The kids were asleep. So I asked them to keep it down, but they didn't. It went on for hours. 
so at seven o'clock this morning when I woke up, I got them back. Checked there was no one around and I launched a ton of bread on the caravan roof so that this had happened. Brilliant. Wakey, wakey. Don't do that. I'll see you tomorrow.